0: It's somewhere past midnight on the 13th of September, and I am a supremely happy camper. Why? While I was researching and planting this wondrous ear-tickling tidbit of audio nonsense, my Spartans were eking out a win against the Oregon Ducks. So congratulations to the Michigan State football team, and while I'm in the m- mode of uh, some Spartan praise here, shout out to the hard-working students over at Impact 89FM. That's the college station where I learned everything I know about mashing sound together in a semi-enjoyable format. You can check them out and uh, listen to their live stream at impact89fm.org. And um, I also shouldn't forget to mention their fearless leader, the general manager, and one of the people who helped craft my passion for media, Mr. Ed Glazer. Thank you, Ed. Thank you, Impact 89 FM, and uh, go state. Today we're going to talk about measuring up to expectations and then dive into three things, including Dan Rather, Donald Trump, and owned media versus rented space. This is episode three of Unraveled Ideas, the podcast. What proves to us is that people don't buy what you do. People buy why you do it. People don't buy what you do; they buy why you do it. Because i always about depth versus width. Depth versus width. So you communicate an idea in a way that resonates. Change will happen, and you can change the world. So let's talk about how companies deliver against expectations. What I mean is how well does a person or company deliver what they said they were going to deliver, um, against what the customer expects them to deliver. So, three examples. The first is the Pebble Time Kickstarter, and in episode two I mentioned I still hadn't received the watch and said I'd talk about it later. Well, I still haven't received it, so I can't give a review, but I did get a shipping number. The second example is the Bibliotheca project that I backed as well over a year ago. And the third is uh, a plumber that I just hired to fix a bunch of stuff in my old house. So, Pebble announced uh, the new Time Watch, their Kickstarter campaign, and with their original watch, they had, for a period of time, the most backed, in terms of dollars, Kickstarter project, and that one had 68,000 backers. Then, the Cool cooler beat them, then the Pebble Time was launched, and it retook the number one spot with over $20 million in funding and 78,000 backers. Here's the thing, it's two months late. I'm not fetching much, but it does rub me the wrong way, because the Pebble Time, it's not drastically different in terms of an industrial shift than the original. Uh, the order aren't magnitudes larger than their first Kickstarter. You're looking at 68000 and 78000 for the new one, and under the risk section, they basically stated that all the watches used in the photography and video were run off the production line. So I know Pebble ran the Kickstarter for more than more for publicity than they did anything else, um, like money, which irks me a touch. But the real thing here is the expectations that I had based on how it was presented compared to it being delivered, um, while still to be delivered, a couple months later. And then what I want to do is look at that and compare that to that Bibliotheca project, which was basically a a really artful and and passionate recrafting, not rewriting, but recrafting of the Bible in terms of presentation Uh, and so forth. Am I mad? No, and it's a year late. Why? Well, Adam Lewis Green, the the founder, stated numerous times in in the Kickstarter page that he thinks he can get it done, but he also made it abundantly within, he thought he could get it done in the timeline, but he also made it abundantly clear that this was a work of passion, and he was going to be hands-on with it, and he was going to do what it took to deliver a product that met his expectations, and I think that's why he succeeded so well in terms of, of number of people back in the project. I mean, I can't remember the exact uh, number he asked for, I believe, $37,000 and ended up with millions, I believe 39 times what he was asking for. So there's a tremendous amount of scale difference there, and it, it really changes how something like that Is produced and and the third part of that is his team and his customer support has been tremendous. I commented on one Kickstarter update, um, and the next morning I had a response from his team. Compare that to the Pebble team, who still hasn't gotten back to me after two weeks of saying, "Hey, um, I'd like to cancel this because I might be going after Android Wear to test it out." What's the process? And then the next day I said, "Forget it, Android Wear um, isn't there." Can you let me know what the status of this is? Is it canceled? Is it not? So I can move forward. Nothing after two weeks. So. Again, Pebble has an established team's working in a space that they've played in, uh, supposedly running product off a production line for their f- photography shoots, and they don't respond. Adam Lewis Green built a team, I think, quickly, and they're all over this. Um, and, and then the third example, is, is thinking about the customer service side of it and response times, is um, the service professor, a relatively local uh, heating, cooling, and plumbing uh, service provider. And so I needed a new water heater in my rental house, and I needed it fast. I found out that things weren't where they needed to be, Um, and I had a rental inspection coming up in a hurry. So I called an initial plumber. He said, yeah, I can do it. I can do half the job. You're going to need some people to do this other part of it. So my wife finds the service professor, she calls them up, they showed up, they gave me a quote and it was more expensive. It wasn't massively more expensive, but it was certainly noticeable that it was more expensive than um, what the other quote was going to be. And the thing was they could take care of everything, the, the water heater, um, fixing some of the other the water lines and a few other things that needed to be done. And they could do it all and they could do it fast. So I hired them and then I cried a little bit knowing that I'm that much further <laughs> from getting the hardwood floors that I've been saving for in my new house. And so the day of the install, they're running behind. They called before they were late. Then they got right to work. After I signed the paperwork, the technician says, hey, if you're around, around lunch, if you're here around lunch, I'd love to take you out, nothing fancy or anything, but I like to buy lunch for somebody who gives us this kind of business. I thanked him. I said, I'm probably going to be heading back to work here unless you need me. So the next day, my wife texts me and she says, we got cupcakes from the service professor. I come home and I look and they're not just rinky-dink cupcakes, hey, but they're like bakery cupcakes and a nice box and a bow and anything, everything in and in a handwritten note. Additionally, I had to call their office a couple of times and every time they answered, they did so along the lines of service professor, how can I brighten your day? And sure it was canned, but it didn't seem that way. So, at first I'd been a little miffed about paying more than I knew I had to, and now I'm just going to go with them. I mean, I may get another quote depending on the size of the job, but I'm pretty sure that they'll probably be getting more business from me. Why? Because they delivered above the expectations. So now we have three examples. A company fell behind the expectations in Pebble and didn't bother with customer service. Um, You have Adam Lewis Green and the Bibliotheca Kickstarter project, where they fell extremely far behind their projected timeline, but they did have a legit reason and good customer support. And then you have a company that does something that many people are going to consider a commodity type of job in plumbing that has exceptional customer service, and they just seem to be legit, nice people. What it tells me is that if you're going to go out there and produce something or if you're going to go out there and whatever your job is, whatever you're delivering, whether it be a product or a service, what it tells me is you need to set expectations for your customers that you think you can deliver against. Then add a little bit of reasoning for how maybe it's about your process and, and tell them why things, you know, if things are going to go wrong, it may happen here, here, here. Add those out there. And then the most important part is communicate. Not just communicate, but always over communicate. You know that can mitigate tensions when you have a slight drop of the ball. It wins fans, and that's how you build a long-term sustainable growth um, for that for your business. It's probably not recorded in ROI, though. I mean, what are you gonna say? Hey, the cupcake delivery drives drove a seven percent year-over-year increase in sales, or um, my refu- the refused lunch offers uh, drove a two per- two and a half percent increase, while the accepted lunch offers actually drove a three and a half percent increase in sales. No, you can measure customer service, and you can put it in there, but when you infuse that sort of um, mentality and that sort of culture into your organization, it just happens, and it becomes natural, and then you're not measuring everything, but I guarantee you the benefits will be there. Okay, let's move on. Three things. Drinking with Dan. So, Dan Rather has this new thing on Mashable called Drinking with Dan. Uh, In the first and only episode that I can see, uh, Dan Rather supposedly drinks with Andy Roddick. Now, I don't actually see either of them drinking, but the concept is cool, and they chit-chat about a variety of things, including Drake, uh, for six-ish minutes. Did it blow me away? Nope. But the idea of Dan Rather doing a cool, less-than-serious news piece on Mashable did. So, kudos to Dan Rather. He gets it, I think, and I will watch more, and you should, too. And if you want to find where, either just go to Mashable and search for drinking with Dan or Google drinking with Dan, or I'll put the link in show notes. Um, And then you should let me know what you think of drinking with Dan. Number two, Donald Trump gets used. So this may not have any value whatsoever, but includes Donald Trump and soccer, two things which I currently find entertaining. Um, So if you haven't seen the video, just Google Mexican TV station uses Donald Trump speech. Um, the gist is that a Mexican TV station took a bunch of Donald Trump sound bites from his recent uh, campaign rallies and, and stops and uh, takes these sound bites that are about the downfall of America. Because, as you know, the Donald likes to talk about how much America loses and how he will make it win. So they take these sound bites and they relate it all to the American men's national team to hype up the, the soccer game. I thought it was brilliant, especially coming from a tv station in a country that uh, trump has repeatedly verbally destroyed um, the thing you need to take from this is that what you say it stays out there and the people that you're going you trash or you talk about will probably hear it and per- the more most importantly perceptions are going to be inf- be formed for both you and the organization you represent or at least purport to represent so what you say, it's it's out there, and people are going to hear it. Whether it comes back to, like, in the uh, previous case of, of performing against expectations, you know, whether it comes back to that. When people start talking about Kickstarter and saying, well, you said this or you said that, it's out there, and people can use it against you whether or not you want them to. Anywho, uh, number three on the three things. So Facebook, Apple, Snapchat all have their own various instant article platforms that are either currently out or coming out soon and the basic upside is that a user or a viewer doesn't have to wait for it to be loaded and it looks very polished Um, the downsides are large and numerous in my mind Um, such as ad revenue shifting um, depending on the platform it can take a lot of time from what I've been reading depending on the platform it can take a lot of time to develop one of these pieces so much so that, uh, I can't remember if it was The Verge or if it was Unmashable, but there's there's an article that basically is saying, like, look, we couldn't even possibly push all of our pieces to one of these platforms just because of the amount of code it takes, in addition to already having to publish it on um, our own site. Anywho, um, Google and Twitter are launching their own instant article platform. So at first I groaned, I'm thinking, oh man, another one, where... where are we going to go with this? Who's going to choose which? Is it going to be competing or will we have to put them on all of them? But then after I read through it, it looks closer to more like um, Google and Twitter are going to uh, open source the tools in the platform. And it would be nice if it were adopted beyond just Google and Twitter. It could help solve the problem of speed when you're dealing with loading your own media sites or from a mobile site if you're a company and you're pushing stuff out there and your mobile site is not fast enough well if you could have access to these open source tools and platform that google and twitter are talking about developing you could develop with that and push your content that way google's going to take care of caching the article and making sure it gets to uh, your audience fast and you may be able to um, possibly publish this in a manner similar to a blog rss or a podcast sort of a feed it also sounds like it's not going to be restricted to larger brands um, like some of the platforms are like a uh, Snapchat Discover which is locked uh, into a certain number and you're paying a lot of money to be on it um, beyond that I'm not really sure on the details but I'm watching it and if you are a company that publishes some content you should probably keep an eye on it as well um, that's it, three things done I wish you all a wonderful morning, day, or night, uh, whenever you're listening to this hit me up on uh, Twitter at Unraveled Ideas, or send me an email at pat at unraveledideas and let me know when you listen to the podcast and where you are so are is this your morning drive podcast are you listening to it through facebook the facebook player when you're bored at work um let me know to wrap things up full circle i'm going to leave you with this epic and student mab winning self promo piece that i worked on at impact 89 fm in my college days i find it almost as entertaining as the donald's hair after i've had drinks with dan Yard, this music be old and tiresome, don't you agree, Greybeard? Captain, for 70 years this music has served us well, but it may be time for something new. This castaway here was just telling me about a stream called The Impact. A stream? But this mighty ship sails the salty seas. No, sir, I'm not talking about the Gulf Stream, but rather a music stream at impact89fm.org. I made pirated music. What's that castaway saying? Un-gag her! No! It's not pirated music! It's free, legal, and available only at Impact89FM.org! Yarn! Well, let's hear that stream! Let me, let me, let me go. And gag her back up! Don't touch me! What's that address again? www.impact89FM.org! Dance epidemic tonight! Shiver me tempers and shake thy booty! Only on Impact89FM! Yarn! Yarn.